good morning to you. I'm glad you're here. This past week, uh, Penny and I got asked to be at the boys' school on Friday to volunteer with the PTO to help uh, serve some snacks, refreshments to some of the kids who uh, got in a reading incentive program. They got to go to the cafeteria, watch a movie uh, for the afternoon, and enjoy that time. And so they needed some parents on deck to help. So I got there, and, and Penny showed up too, and said, what can we do to help this morning? Now, I wanted to pass out the cookie tray. I wanted the cookie tray, and I don't know why I would want something like this, but that's why I did. But I got put on hot chocolate duty. Why did somebody say, oh, no? What, do you think something bad's about to happen? Yes, okay, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So I, they didn't let me mix the hot chocolate. That wasn't my job, but they, I got to make sure it was – you know, it, the percolators were turned on, and I got a pour in cups and have it ready for the kids. Now, I, it was kind of crazy. Those kids, they were hopped up on chocolate and candy, so they were coming all pretty fast and furious at us. But I was trying to make sure hot chocolate was out there, and I tried my best to, you know, get the cooler ones at the front. And when I put fresh ones down, I tried my best to say, it's hot, you know, be careful. Now, do you think they listened? No. Uh, let's just say I'm not going to be called to volunteer for the school anymore after this particular week. But five minutes into it, I hear the first kid scream, bloody murder. He had spilled some, co- uh, some of the hot chocolate on his arm. And, you know, it is, ah, and he's running to the nurse. And then a couple minutes later, I see kids getting up, heading over the ice machines, but just putting ice in their mouth. I can't stand it. You know, and all, I mean, all the parents and the teachers are just looking like, who is that guy giving them this hot? I said, oh, my God. I tell you what. I tried. You know, there's always something with me. I tried my best, and I tried to tell them, it's hot. It's called hot chocolate for a reason. You might want to be careful. Now, we can understand. They're kids, and they don't always listen to instruction. Am I right, Mrs. Ricketts, who has my son, Parker? He's like, you know, don't always listen, but we try our best to tell them. You know, I've I, I didn't really feel bad when we left school, like kids going on burn tongues and arms and everything, but just didn't listen. But I kind of was thinking, isn't that how we are with God sometimes? You know, one of the things I love about God is that he really does try to communicate with his people. I mean, the Bible shows that God is not this silent God uh, over his creation. God loves to reveal to his people what he's doing. He loves to speak plans. He loves to, you know, tell us what's happening. In fact, God, in multiple ways, you know, oftentimes says, hey, pay attention to this. Watch out. Don't go there. It's hot. You know, God is doing this through his special revelation. He does it through his word. He does it through the power of his Holy Spirit. This is the nature of God. I hear people talking about how mysterious God is and how mysterious his will is. And I'm not so sure that's true. I mean, yes, God's ways are are mightier and above our ways, and so are his thoughts, but God loves us so much. He shows us so much grace that he loves to reveal things to us. He loves to tell us what's going on. But it's up to us what we're going to do with that information. You know, you think back in the Bible, I mean, it started that way with Adam and Eve. You know, God said, here you go. Here's all this creation. Enjoy, enjoy my presence. He can have all of this. But, hey, there is that one tree. Don't touch it. 
Something bad might happen. You will surely die if you eat the fruit of that tree. God told him. He didn't just wait for Adam to find out what was going on. He said to Adam, hey, everything's yours, but, you know, don't go there. We know what happened. They said, don't go there. That's what goes on. He did it. God has done this time and time again. He did it with the nation of Israel. He said, hey, you are my special chosen people. I want you to to follow my ways, worship my name, just be with me and I'll protect you. And he says, if you don't, if you turn away from me and go worship and go serve other gods and get into all this other stuff, there's going to be problems. And he was so patient with them and so gracious with them, but he was telling them what's going to happen. And I love this about God, that he is not just this one who just springs things on us. I mean, I know God can sometimes work into suddenly, just suddenly bring something to bear. But I love how he, he just seems to want his people to know what he's doing in our lives. He loves to reveal his plans. We see that. That's the nature of his creation with us. That he wants to tell us what he is doing and even why he is doing it. And sometimes even give us the warning if we don't pay attention. That is just a grace-filled God who does this. I mean, God created all things, and yet he still wants to reveal himself to us. In fact, when we come this, this time of year, when we come to celebrate the birth of Christ, that's really what that is. It is God revealing himself to us. That's why in John, the Gospel of John begins, and the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. Is that we saw God through Jesus the Son. So when we celebrate Christmas, I know you already know this, but it's not about the presents. It's not about the, the fellowship or the family time. It is realizing that in the ultimate way, God said, I'm going to make myself known to you. And that is by giving you my son, Jesus, to be born in this fallen world, to live a perfect and sinless life and reveal my will to you. And that's what Scripture tells us. We see God the Father through the one and only Son, Jesus Christ. It is about him revealing himself. But it's still up to us what we're going to do with that information. Just like I can tell a bunch of elementary school kids, be careful with this. It's hot. They can choose not to listen. And God may say to us, here's what I'm doing in your life, in your church, uh, in, in, among the world. Here's what I'm doing, and here's your role in it. And we can say, well, I don't want to listen. But God loves to reveal himself to us. And in that, we get another picture of his grace and how awesome God's grace is. We've been talking about God's grace for a little bit of time now, intentionally. That I want us this, this Christmas season, this time that we... We focus on the birth of Jesus Christ. I want us thinking and rejoicing in the grace God has shown us. Now, if you haven't been here, if you've forgotten, what have we said grace is? God's grace is when he blesses us with what we have not earned and do not deserve. We call it God's love and action. When God blesses us, even though we haven't merited it, there's nothing in us to say, here's why you should get it. He just says, here you go, I'm blessing you today. That's grace. And God is so full of grace. It's amazing. But it's when we encounter, when we're more aware of God's grace in our lives, 
does it begin to, as Paul said, have its effect in my life. It begins to change how I act and how I live and my attitude and all that I do. So this morning, as we continue on this encounters with grace, we've been looking at these biblical pictures of certain people who had encounters with God's grace. I want to look at a guy in the New Testament, Zechariah. Now, if you're not aware, really, you could say the New Testament begins with Zechariah. Zechariah, this particular Zechariah, is the father of John the Baptist. John the Baptist would come and herald the coming of Jesus Christ, not only the birth of Jesus Christ, but also point to him as the Messiah, as the chosen one. And after a time, what people call the silent years, 400 years of really no prophetic word, no vision, and, and most people not seeming like they're hearing from God or knowing what's up to, suddenly the silence is broken, and he begins with Zechariah. When, when God, through the angel Gabriel, comes and says, hey, you have a son coming, and here's what's going to happen. Here's the blessing of this. And it just, it's, this picture is just so full of God's grace. But at the same time, we see Zechariah's response to this great and awesome news. And even in that, we see more God's grace. It's a wonderful picture that really sets off the Christmas story. It begins what leads us to the birth of Christ many months later. I love this example of God's grace and how he loves to reveal to his people what's going on. We're going to look at scripture this morning. It happens in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. After the intro of Luke's letter of saying what he's writing down and why, he begins with this. In chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the house, at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts <coughs> of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. 
And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now, really, as we consider God's word here, again, I'm going to tell you, there's so many encounters with grace. I don't think we can get them all. There's so many little things happening in this encounter between Zechariah and God, really the angel of God, that is just so grace-filled, it's awesome. Now, we got to back up and understand a little bit what's going on. Zechariah, he was of the priestly line of Israel. Now, by that time, there were a lot of priests, but he was one of them. And his wife, Elizabeth, came from the line of Aaron, and she was a, a, as far as family lines could go, an upright standing in the community, they were at the top. I mean, they had all the, the, the names to claim in their family history. They were upright, good standing Jews. But they had a problem no children. Now, even in today's world, we can see, we can understand when, when a couple comes together and they want to have a family and there's no children, we see the, the pain and we see the despair that sometimes happens and the prayers. I remember when we were praying in our family, waiting for when God would give us a child and it seemed like it took forever. And I, we know that even today, but then tenfold, even worse. That was, in that day, the Jews would even say some of the customs was, a couple of the main shames among the Jewish people, and you could even be excommunicated from the people. One was if a Jewish man had no wife. Two, if he had a wife but had no children. It was seen as a terrible shame. And in fact, most people assume that if you were married and you did not have children, it was due to some sin, some disobedience to God that you did not have children. And it may be in some cases that was true, but here the Bible is telling us that it was nothing to do with their sinfulness, why they didn't have children. Zechariah and Elizabeth said they were upright and they were righteous before the Lord. Didn't say they were perfect. It said they were walking blamelessly. I mean, that is, that's another way of saying they were giving their all for God. Didn't say they never faltered, never had a misstep, but they were serving the Lord with passion and zeal. They loved God, but still they had no children. And for so many, it must have seemed like this really weird thing of why does this this blessed couple who loved God, who served God with all they got, still has no children? 
But the Bible is trying to tell us this has nothing to do with sinfulness. This is part of God's plan in their life. And it tells us they've been praying and praying and praying for a child. But years went by, and Elizabeth became barren. Not just because, you know, whatever problems she may have had in her physical body, but then she be- both became too old. We don't know what age they were, but since they were advanced years, past the years of where you expect to have a child. But yet still they prayed. I think what's awesome here is you see in Zechariah's life the day he gets to go serve in the temple. Let me tell you how awesome this is. Again, in that day, there's so many priests that you have a rotating base of who gets to go serve at the, up at the temple. And you get you know a couple of weeks out of the year, go do your uh, responsibilities as a priest, but yet there's still so many that have to cast lots. And it's their little system of figuring out who's going to do what responsibilities, because there's a million things to do. And it so happens that on this day by lot, Zechariah was chosen to go into the temple to burn incense for the offering. Let me tell you, in that time, that might happen one time in a priest's life, if even that. That was like the best day you would ever got as a priest in the line of Israel to go actually serve inside the temple of God to do these awesome things. Probably would never happen again. So I can imagine the joy Zechariah must have felt when they said, you know, cast lots and Zechariah, you get to go to the temple. You get to go burn incense. You get to go to God's house and serve him. Now I want you to notice this. Zechariah had lived, we don't know how many years, but plenty of them without a child. I already told you it's a shame in, in that culture and that time that if you don't have a child, you're probably looked down upon. He had a lot of reasons maybe to be bitter, to not trust God anymore, you know, just to go through the motions. But yet he still went to the house of the Lord, and he still worshipped him, and he was there praying to God, even in the midst of the pain. Now, that is awesome right there. That's one of the reasons I love Zechariah, because he's a great example of just because his prayer hasn't been answered yet doesn't mean he stopped loving God. How many times do we see people say, well, God, you just haven't provided what I wanted yet. You haven't answered yet. I thought you were going to do this for me. This is what I need. This is what I want. If you won't give it to me, I'm walking away. I've encountered numerous people who are outside of the church today who they won't they won't darken the doors of any church because they got hurt somewhere. Something happened to them. Whatever it was, whether it was a person, whether they got disappointment in God or whatever, they say, I'm done. But Zechariah said, you know, he still had a pain. He still had a hurt. He still had that desire and that want for a child in his life, but yet it he still was found praying in the house of the Lord. That is awesome, friends. What a reminder that even when we're dealing with personal pains and hurt and maybe even disappointments and not understanding what God is up to, it doesn't give us right, doesn't give the excuse to step outside of the house of God. He still wants you there. So Zechariah is there. He's praying. He's serving. He's worshiping. And then, wow, here comes the presence of God. It says the angel Gabriel was there. And he said, Zechariah, I am here on behalf of God. And he comes and says, you're going to have a child. You and your wife are going to have a child. You're going to name him John. Now, 
It could have stopped there. Remember, that's what they've been praying about. And the angel says, God has heard your prayers. I mean, the scripture is really trying to point out that this couple is, they love the Lord, but there's this missing piece of their life they've been praying about. And the angel says, God has heard your prayers. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. It could have stopped right there. But here's God's grace in effect. He says, not are you only going to have a son, but this son is going to be a really awesome son. He is going to turn people's hearts back to the Lord and is going to point the way to the coming of the Messiah. He's going to operate in the spirit and the power of Elijah, that great Old Testament prophet. I mean, God is saying, this, he's going to be so filled with the Holy Spirit, people will see it. That is God's grace. I mean, I don't even think that was a part of Zechariah's prayer. Do you really think he'd been praying to God, said, God, I want a son, and when I get him, I'm going to make sure he operates in the power of Elijah, and he turns people's hearts to you, and he, he's the one who comes before the Messiah. How would have he even known to ask for those things? He just said, I just want a child. And finally, God says, all right, now's the day. And not just a child, but this child is going to be something special. He is the forerunner. He is the one telling the world that the Messiah is on the way and point to it. That's the Messiah. Don't follow me. Follow him. Wow, what a blessing. God's grace. Zechariah did not earn that. He didn't merit that. I mean, Zechariah is a great guy. He was a wonderful, you know, upstanding, righteous person. But he hadn't earned this blessing of a son who would do these things. That was God's grace on display. He was praying for the son, but God showed up. Here's what God is doing, right? Look what I'm saying. He's announcing God through his special revelation saying, here's my plan. I love how God does that. God loves to reveal himself to his people who are seeking him. See what I said? Who are seeking him. He loves to reveal himself. And he did so. He reveals to Zechariah, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be all this. Zechariah could have just found out one day Elizabeth is pregnant and just had a kid. But God says, no, Zechariah, I want you to know what I'm doing and how special this is. I've been telling you, Zechariah, he's you know, a blessed man. He really is awesome in the Lord, but not perfect. Did you see what happened? He says, well, how is this going to be? In fact, we don't get the full effect reading it maybe in our translation today. He's saying, I want, I want proof is what he's asking for. He said, I want you to show me, I want you to prove to me what you're saying. So I know that I know that I know. That was a misstep. Let me just be honest about it. It's one we can understand because don't we all do that sometimes to God? We think maybe God is showing up, God is speaking, he's telling us, and we say, can you give me a sign? Friends, we stop asking for a sign. And God's, God's signs are so out there and so visible, and he reveals his way. We say, God, but I just need that extra little proof that what you're up to. That's not a good thing. In fact, you can make a case. The Bible, I mean, absolutely forbids us to kind of ask for that thing, like give me divination, give me a sign that to prove what you're up to. God gives signs all the time, but that's his will, that's his grace to do it. And Zechariah, who's been praying all these years, 
suddenly hears of this powerful vision. He can't deny what God is doing. He said, you're going to have a son. He says, well, but show me how. Prove it to me. You know, it's kind of the tone of his words. We read in scripture after he says this. In verse 19, it says, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Forgive me. I didn't read that right the first time. Okay. Here's how it probably went. Gabriel showed up, and that was majesty and splendor and all these things. And says, you're going to have a son, John. He's going to point people to me. He's going to point to the Messiah, all this. And Zacharias says, how shall I know this? And suddenly this presence, this God's emissary that is there for him, gets huge. And it's for him, and he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. God, those words should have just awed him. Here comes the one who is there, who is speaking and acting on behalf of God. And it's kind of like, you ask me, you ask of God to show you a proof. How are you going to do this? I just told you what's going to happen, and now you're saying, how is it going to happen? Woo! Now, some of you heard the passage, and Zechariah ends up mute. He can't speak, and that's what exactly what happens. Until the day his son is born, he cannot speak. And you say, man, that's rough. How, why would God act like this, that he would, he would take his blessed servant, this priest, he's serving him in the temple, and strike him where he cannot speak? Doesn't seem very grace-filled to me. And I'll tell you, that it has grace written all over it. You know why? God could have, God could have taken that angel and laid a finger on him and struck him down dead. Standing there in God's house, just getting the most amazing vision and word from the Lord ever, and he says, how? Show me. I mean, we understand him doing that because that's in our human nature, but God would have absolute right to say, you come into this holy place, and don't listen to me and ask this of me, boom, gone, dead. He could have done it. I mean, God had every right to. He could have done this. He says, you've questioned me? Fine, no son. I'm giving it to somebody else. There's plenty of other righteous Jews out there. There's plenty of other people who love me. I'll give it to this one over here. He could have taken it away. But what God did through the angel says, boom, no speaking. Until the day this son's born. Hmm. You may be still not getting, why is this, why do I call this grace filled? The Bible tells us in the, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it says, God disciplines those whom he loves. Just like a parent, like a good parent who will discipline a child because he or she loves that child, so God disciplines. His children, when we don't listen to what he has to say. But I love the verse in Hebrews. It says that parents, it says the father uh, would discipline in a way he best sees fit. And that's true for my children. Like if I had to discipline my children, it's in the way I best, you know, it fits for me. I want them to see things from my perspective. He says God disciplines different. God disciplines not only for our good, 
but so that we may increase in his glory. God disciplines with grace intermixed with it. When Adam and Eve took of the tree, that he said, you will surely die. What did he do? There was discipline. They lost the presence of God in that special place, a special way, and they received uh, harsh things. But in the midst of the discipline, what did he do? He clothed them. He provided a sacrifice. And at the same time, he spoke the curse. He says, but one day, one day, this serpent's head will be struck. It will be destroyed. He already promised the healing. When God said to Israel, hey, guys, follow me. Don't turn aside. Don't turn the left or right. Just follow me. But when they did, and he disciplined them by bringing the punishment, he said, but this punishment is not going to last forever. There's going to be a day I bring you back into this land and restore you once again. See, God's discipline always comes hand in hand with his grace. God will allow us to endure difficult things when we don't listen to his word. He loves to reveal himself to us when we seek him. He loves to reveal what he's up to. When we don't listen, out of love he does discipline. But his discipline always comes with his grace. He never says, this it, I'm done with you. That's the last time I forgive you. That's the last time I'll help you. He says, no, you may have to endure something because you're not listening to me, but it always comes with a plan of restoration. It always comes with a plan of saying, here's what's next. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to do this. And when he said, when, when he caused Zechariah to lose his voice, it was discipline. It was discipline. The angel said, because you did not believe my words. It was discipline. But then at the same time, it says, but it's not going to last forever. You're going to be silent so that you can't talk and you can't get in your own way for the next, you know, nine months. You're going to be silent and listen to God to the end. When the promise is fulfilled, that it will be fulfilled, then you'll speak again. Then God's grace is going to show up. Again, just kind of like last week, we don't know the answer to this question, but what do you think Zechariah did? days and years after this time when he saw God revealing to him his plan did he say show me a sign prove it to me he's like Mm-mm, I'm not gonna see it no way you know he's like yes God you said it it must be true I believe it faith and expectation right I'm not gonna step back and say well prove it to me if God says it it must be true I'm gonna believe it I'm gonna operate in it that's God's Grace showed up in this, in this account. I love this because here's this, this awesome man of God who doesn't get it perfectly right. And who, which one of us says that we can? And God disciplines, gives us a great example of discipline, but grace in the midst of it all. Oh, but one day you will speak again. You will speak the name I've given you. And you'll tell what happened and, and then grace comes in. He encountered grace. And I guarantee you, Zachariah's life wasn't the same. I just I love this passage so much. One of my favorite parts, maybe when we talk about the Christmas season and we look at the different people involved, Zachariah tends to get left out a lot of times. Even though really it began, the, the events that were heading into the birth of Jesus kind of began when Gabriel showed, came up to Zachariah and said, here's what's going to happen in your life, which is going to lead to Mary and Joseph happening in their life, and then all these other things. It started there. 
I love this passage. And it gives a reminder to me, God in his grace and his mercy loves to reveal himself. He does it time and time again for those who seek him. For those who go after God, who will keep praying, who keep showing up to his house, even when they don't have the answers, who want to know from God, who will be in his word and on their knees in prayer. God loves to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know what he's up to in your life. He's not going to always keep it a mystery from you. He wants to tell you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. And that's all his grace. But at the same time, we must realize when God speaks, you just take it to the bank. You don't say, God, well, I believe it when you show me this sign. God, prove it to me. Or I'm going to hedge my bets that it sounds like it will, but I don't know. When God speaks, it's true. And sometimes we might find ourselves under discipline of God because we just simply didn't listen to what he told us. He said, my child, pay attention to what I had to say to you. Go here, don't go there. Do this, don't do that. He's telling us, he's revealing his will, his plan for your life. But if you don't listen, if you don't believe, if you have to say, God, give me another sign, prove it to me, show it to me, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, you might follow yourself under some discipline of God. But no, maybe if that's you today, just know that God's discipline always comes hand in hand with his grace. His discipline always comes with a plan of restoration. You don't deserve it, nor do I. None of us have earned it, but God's grace is so powerful, it works that way. And when we encounter that, when we realize it, when we operate in it, we cannot be the same. I keep talking about this because I want this time of year not to be focused on the busyness, and I know it is busy. I don't want you to focus on the events and going here and going there. I want you thinking about and realizing and walking in and being affected every day by the grace God has shown you. Because it, it will have its effect in your life when you realize how gracious God has been. So what are you asking God for today? You're saying, prove it to me, show it to me, give me a sign. How will it be? I don't know. Or are you saying, yes, God. When you speak, I believe it. Let's take a moment to pray together this morning. I want you to just bow your heads, go for the Lord, and, and seek what he would be telling you this morning. I'm telling you about this passage in Scripture, but just like Zachariah, God may be ready right this minute by the power of the Holy Spirit to show up in your life and in your heart and speak a word to you right now. God may have been wanting to reveal to you what he wants from you, what he's doing in your life, in your family, and around you. Has he been trying to tell you what to do? Are you saying, God, I will when you do this. I'll believe it if. God, won't you just give a sign? Can you just prove it to me? If God is trying to tell you something, if he is speaking a word to you, if he's giving direction, take you to the bank and say, yes, Lord, I believe it. I will operate in it. I will have faith. I will have expectation. And thank you, by the way, for that great and awesome grace you have shown me today. What is he saying to you today? God loves to reveal himself to you. He loves to speak to you. What you do with what he says will make a tremendous difference. What's he saying to you today? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning and this opportunity to be in your house, to worship you, to know you better. 
once again this morning with a reminder of what your grace looks like. We thank you. We worship you. We just are, we stand in awe by how you would give us what is unearned and undeserved. God, that your, you would, your love would be in action in these mighty ways. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for how we read of Zechariah, who was righteous before you, who walked in just a, a not, not perfection, but God, but your word tells us he and his wife just strove every day to, to serve you and live for you, and they loved you. Weren't perfect, but they loved you in that passion. And even then, God, if you show up in his life, tell him what you're doing. And there's still that moment of, I don't know. God, I so relate to that. How many times have I had that same attitude this morning? God, that you try to speak and you try to reveal and you try to teach, and I, and I say, prove it. I believe it when I see it. God, and just thank you for reminding how your grace meets us, even in those moments. God, even in discipline, even in your loving discipline that your scripture tells us you give, that, great, that discipline is always mixed with grace. Thank you for that, God. Thank you how you don't take away your promise. Thank you how you don't remove your spirit from our lives. God, thank you how you don't just put us on that never-to-be-used-again shelf because we've messed up one too many times. God, thank you for that. Thank you for revealing and speaking. God, help us to be reminded this morning to be patient and to persevere when we're not sure what you're up to. God, when you haven't yet spoken, when you haven't yet revealed, God, when we're still dealing with a hurt, a need, a want, God, don't let us turn away from you. Don't let us forsake being in your house. God, let us come continually, let you find us continually in your presence among your people seeking your face. So the day you show up in a mighty way, the day you reveal, the day you speak, we're ready to say, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I love you, Lord. God, just take over among your people. Thank you for these blessings. God, I pray today that in these moments that whoever would need to respond to your call would do so. We're reminded today that what we read was this coming of uh, Zechariah's son, John the Baptist, and he pointed to the Messiah. God, and I want the same thing. All this points to the fact that we have a Messiah, a Savior, Jesus, your son. God, and you give, you continually give the message. You have revealed it already, you continue to reveal it. That the one way to your presence, the only way, is through the Son, the way, the truth, and the life. And you show us, and God, we, we don't deserve Jesus at all. We don't deserve a suffering Savior who would die for our sins. We don't deserve it, we didn't earn it, but God, you still gave that. You still gave your son Jesus, and you still you have revealed, you have spoken in so many ways. You're telling people, just put your trust and faith in Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You've revealed it, you've spoken it. We have the right to whether we're going to accept it or reject it. God, for the person this morning who continue to reject it, maybe just by happen, by not speaking a word over it, God, reveal that to them. Call them once again. Point them to the to the Savior, to the cross. God, thank you for your grace and mercy, even when we act in such ways towards us. God, we love you. Move among your people. Have us respond to you in ways that are in accordance with your will, your plan, your revelation. God, we thank you for this. 
ask you by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.